0: at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf.
1: Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Your Future. Today, we're going to talk about the benefits of coaching in a VUCA environment, and we'll talk specifically about what does VUCA mean. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help elevate the quality of leadership across the world and work with those leaders to co-create a thriving future. This includes helping leaders identify disruptive trends and develop strategies to transform themselves and their environment to thrive now and in the future. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organizations. I'm also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I am delighted to have with us today David Goldsmith. David is a pioneer in the coaching industry. He is the executive director of Seven Paths Forward. He staged many innovative conferences on coaching and was the first To showcase coaching research almost 20 years ago. He co founded the Foundation for Coaching, which has now become the Institute of Coaching at Harvard. He's also co founded Accelerating Coaching Excellence, a program dedicated to helping coaches get to the heart of client issues in less time. David is an active coach working with senior leaders, professionals, and entrepreneurs around the globe. He's also coached many of the leaders in the coaching profession. Helping to grow the impact of coaching worldwide, David joins the show to share why leaders need coaches. The world is increasingly complex, and leaders are asked to make decisions in volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous ambiguous environments. Hence, VUCA. Usually, without enough information, with the spread, of, of, with the speed of business so fast, great leaders need coaches not just good coaches, great coaches, to help them address the, the range of changes and the range of decisions they're making in this very complex environment. So, David, thank you so much for joining us. What do you want to tell us about your background that wasn't in the introduction before we jump in?
2: I was lucky. I am. Hi, Maureen. I was lucky enough to be one of the first professional coaches in the profession. Uh, I got started back when um, people would say, what do you do? I'd say I'm a coach. They'd say, Little League, basketball, you don't seem very athletic. And I had to explain uh, what business and executive coaching was. So I've been around from the very beginning. I helped start the International Coach Federation, and I've cared deeply about the impact that coaching can have on leaders around the world. And uh, I think coaching is what I was to do it's what I'm best at, and uh, I love working with leaders to help them uh, make a bigger difference faster.
1: Thank you. So, so as we talk about leaders specifically, especially from the seat you occupy, what are leaders facing today?
2: Well, all of this cool tools, email, instant messaging, texting, globalization. All of these really great tools have allowed the speed of business to increase really 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 rapidly I remember in my first business job the mail would come once a day and I would open it and then I would read through it then I would dictate responses to the mail someone would type them up and send them out and then maybe a week later I'd get a response back and if it was really urgent we might send a fact now messaging, Slack. There's so many ways that information gets changed so much more quickly. So the demand to make decisions, because we theoretically could make decisions faster, happens all the time. So leaders have to work much, much more quickly. And uh, the environment changed dramatically. Globalization means that you can consult with partners in China and Turkey and Russia all in real time if you need to, all that enables you to get more done more quickly, it also requires things to get set up and allows more complications uh, to join into the mix of things that a leader has to deal with.
1: You know, as you mentioned, especially the globalization and the, the fact that all of us need to attend to global impacts where we didn't, to your point, when... When I started working, I worked for a global company, but it was pre-email. Well, we were still using large mainframes, and we just didn't respond as quickly, and things that happened on the other side of the globe didn't impact us as quickly as they do now. Exactly. So that leads us into then the question of what is VUCA? And why why does it matter? matter? Yeah, I'm happy to share that.
2: VUCA came from the military, actually, and it was part of the training regimen to train uh, leaders in the military because um, we've often heard this phrase that a great plan for battle uh, doesn't survive the first shot. And so military Hmm. leaders have been trained to deal with volatility. We don't know where things are going to blow up. We don't know where things are going to change uncertainty. We just don't know how the enemy is going to respond in any given particular time. Complexity. Um, We've got weather conditions. We've got sea conditions. We've got uh, pollution. We've got a variety of factors that have to go into whatever planning is going on. Um, The health of our um, military, the health of our troops. Uh, Ambiguity. Um, We can't tell, even with all the sophisticated surveillance and information we have, what's the right decision? Do we we start the attack at noon or do we go to 7 o'clock at night? There's plus and minus factors, and at the end of the day, there's usually not a clear, obvious decision. So the military coined this term BUCA to help people really understand that you're dealing in an environment where you will never have enough information, where it will never be clear enough to make the right decision.
1: And that, that certainly does seem to be the case with everyone I work with. We feel like we don't have enough information, uh, and yet decisions need to be made.
2: Yeah, it's really hard to plan, um, but things are changing so quickly, and you have to make decisions in order to keep your team moving. And, um, so, and oftentimes you have to make those decisions knowing you might be wrong. You might be wrong half the time but to not decide would be worse. So it's a
0: really
2: uh, interesting environment. You have to make that decision knowing that the minute we make that decision and start implementing it, unexpected things will change again, and we're going to have to adjust on the fly. So it's a really, have um, think people have, it requires a different um, way of dancing in a with all the changes, because you can't get it too attached to any particular strategy or direction, you have to stay really flexible to be able to deal with new information coming in. And the best leaders are able to use that information and not get thrown off their game. But they expect it, and they um, are able to move with it, so they don't stand so rigidly. They stay very flexible.
1: It just as you're saying this, the other thing that comes to mind is in an environment where leaders make the best decision they can with the information they have, we also can't then look back and assault them because they didn't make the decision we would make today with more information.
2: Yeah, and it's very human to do that. So, uh it also requires different leadership skills for people you're leading who are making these decisions Um, because you have to be constantly, as a leader, educating your leaders on how did you make that decision, what did you think about, okay, that's the information you had, great. What can you learn from that decision that will help make the next uncertain decision? But um, for people making the best possible decision with the information they had, and not the, beneficiary, not the beneficiary of 2020 hindsight, um, that training and after action review and really thinking through um, what was our hypothesis, where did we think we we're going to go, why did we decide this way, how did it turn out, is really so important in helping leaders and managers get better and better at making these decisions in the future.
1: What When you think of your clients, especially senior leaders, I'm assuming in global organizations, what are some of the biggest challenges they're facing right now? Uh, some of the biggest challenges
2: they're facing right now um, are coronavirus, and it's a perfect example of a VUCA situation. Literally every day, every hour, new information comes out that might affect how you're going to do business. If you're in a tech business and you have a supply chain, you're wondering about your supply chain. Do I need to be shifting it? Is the place I'm shifting it to going to have a bigger corona problem later on down the road? Um, do I delay putting products to market? Um, how does that? And then all of these different decisions one might make have knock-on effects for other departments, other teams, other planning, other thinking. Uh, if you're putting on conferences, uh, that's dramatically shifting because people aren't traveling, but people are being forced to think in real time how to respond to issues that they've never had to thought of think about. We've never had conferences other than perhaps after nine eleven uh, canceled at such a scale, um, and people are now thinking how do I do this virtually? Uh, people are thinking through. Many people can work remotely at home, and that was less an option in 9 11. But uh, how do we deal with the leadership with the service workers and gig economy workers who, when people aren't traveling or in tourism areas or going out to eat, um, how do we keep those people safe and employed and uh, moving? So there's a lot of complexity just from the coronavirus. Then, when you add in uh, what we had in the news today with oil prices dropping, global uncertainty. This is a this decision and I talk with leaders all day long. My morning filled with them. Um, they're waking up with a pile of leadership issues and problems to
1: on that, some of the business models that that Lean and Six Sigma were designed to take uh, slack out of the system and for an organization to be resilient to impacts. in fact, I have to build in a little bit of slack so I can accommodate for the uncertainty that now comes into play. So it seems like we're also fundamentally needing to rethink what we thought of as efficient and effective systems.
2: Yeah, it's a beautiful point. I mean, we've been trained to keep minimal inventory stock so that we reduce balance sheet costs and um, keep things moving, and that all works beautifully. But to take it on a more personal level, people over 60 are now being asked to stay home. Well, that means they might have only kept a week's worth of groceries at home. Now they're looking at Mm -hmm. to keep a month's worth of groceries at home. That's partly why we're seeing toilet paper shortages around the world and things like that. So the system is not designed for... The system is designed for just in time, and all these delivery services and Amazon Prime where you can get things in a day or two are all designed around... You don't need to have inventory personally or in business for that matter, and that's changing Mm rapidly.
1: Uh, yeah, and, and in fact, on a, just a very micro level, if there is no inventory of toilet paper, I'm in trouble. Um, yeah, exactly. I don't stock. <laughs> uh, and that's not a business issue. That's a personal hygiene issue. Um, right. So how how we think about um, going forward and how do I adjust my business based on this, or is it a one-time anomaly? So back to your earlier point about uh, volatile, uncertain. I'm making decisions with incomplete information, uh, and if I'm running a large organization and my uh, my market value drops, I could be a former CEO uh, fairly exactly. quickly. Yeah, through no
2: yeah, and surely look-
1: through no doing of
2: poor leadership on your own. You may have been running a kick-ass company. Uh, And all of a sudden, if your business is heavily dependent on conferences, um, all of a sudden you're having lots and lots of shows canceled. Um, You don't have any revenue coming in. And you were running a great business before, but people don't need what you have.
1: And in fact, I I just connected recently with a group of uh, people who deliver training content globally who are. coming together in the virtual world to figure out how they're going to run their businesses during this crisis. So, so it does seem that that's happening pretty quickly when it impacts your ability to feed your family.
2: No question about it. It does require people to be creative. And again, the leaders that do best in Buka are ones that can adapt very flexibly with, oh, okay. People aren't traveling. We now have to figure out how to deliver our training um, virtually. How do we do that in an effective way? Have we ever done it before? Who's an expert at it? How do I learn about it very quickly? What tools do I need? How do I price it? So, you know, there's a bunch of new problems to figure out. They're figure outable, but there's a Mm -hmm. set of new things to think through.
1: Perfect. So as we go into break, I encourage our listeners to think about what are the uncertainties and the volatilities you are facing in your workplace right now and how might coaching help you navigate that? And we'll come back uh, with David and Maureen after the break. And we're, we're talking about uh, leadership coaching specifically and the benefits of great coaching in a VUCA environment. We'll focus more on what is coaching and how does it help you.
0: Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: Hi, welcome back to Innovating Leadership. Today we're talking about the benefits of great coaching in a VUCA environment with David Goldsmith. And for people who are not yet terribly familiar with the term VUCA, it is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And in this segment, we're going to talk about why use a coach. So, David, how can coaching help leaders in this kind of an environment?
2: It's a great question, Maureen, and it's really interesting. If you're a leader or a CEO, um, oftentimes, you have no one to talk to about things. And as your world is changing very rapidly, oftentimes, your first reaction is, I have no idea how I'm going to do this, or I'm terrified that if I don't do this well, people are going to lose their job, or people might die. Um, so, But you can't really just say to your team, hey, by the way, I'm terrified. Let's figure it out. Um, you need to lead. You have to project a certain level of confidence and clarity. Uh, and this is particularly true for CEOs. They're not able to go to their board of directors and say, I'm not sure what to do here. I'm terrified. Um, so having a coach where you can really have a private conversation, talk through everything that's on your mind, and come out of it with a clear direction and way to approach something is unbelievably helpful. Um, You know, leaders have their own response to these situations. This coronavirus one dealing is particularly because it has both a personal effect and a business effect. So as a leader, I might be concerned that my wife or my mother or my father, who's in a senior citizen's home, uh, could be particularly vulnerable where is the virus spreading what's happening at the same time i'm trying to figure out and my just my workforce travel are we going to have meetings virtually what's happening with my supply chain uh, are we going to have enough uh, technicians to show up to staff this event so there's a variety of issues that i'm thinking about that are both personal and business and if i've got somebody who's very skilled they can help me sort through those, because oftentimes as humans, all that stuff gets collapsed. Mm-hmm. So, oftentimes sure. when I'm meeting with a leader, we will think through and talk about all that's going on. And I'll share an example of that in just a minute. And by doing that, we can rehearse in a closed setting how that leader is going to take their next step ahead of their performance. So, we can practice conversations, we can rehearse strategies. We can think through different approaches. We can compare and contrast ways to approach a situation. We can anticipate what other people are thinking about. We can help them design conversation. And all that can be done in private so that the leader then shows up and goes and does the work he needs to do. So this morning, yeah, I, I'm, beautiful. Go ahead.
1: I don't know. I was going to say I would love to hear some examples because I think you and I were both in coaching sessions this morning. I would. Be interested to hear how yours
2: went I'm happy to tell you so I was working with a leader this morning uh, and she's the CEO of a company and her company has a major opportunity that came up in the last week to deliver their work in a very new way and she can't see how they're going to accomplish that project given their competing priorities and other work in the pipeline and their budget at the same time um, She's dealing with the uncertainty that their signature in-person event scheduled for April is likely to be canceled or postponed, and they've got attendees coming from around the world. Um, And the call started, in addition to those two things, with her own overwhelm with all the news. Oh, my gosh, the stock market is going down. Um, There's all kinds of inaccurate information. People are panicking. The virus seems to be spreading. I'm not sure whether my daughter's going to be able to go back to school. So there's all this uncertainty personally in her world. Um, Her Mm husband is being asked to deliver his work. So she's got all of that jammed together in the call. And you can hear in her voice, it's like, I don't know. It's a lot to deal with. Not sure how we're going to sort this all out. But she had real business issues that we had to deal with as well. So in the course of 45 minutes, um, we were able to help her uh, decide a couple of things. And what she ultimately decided to do is to virtualize their signature event, which they've never done before. Uh, and then she's going to use that virtualization to create the app, create the assets they need for this new major business opportunity. So once she was able to separate all her personal anxiety and anxiety. Uh, from these business issues, and we started taking these apart one by one and really digging into them, she started to see how the two business problems actually supported each other if she proactively made some decisions today. Her other option was to wait a month or so and see what happens, and I said, you can do that, but the odds are good that it's possible that by the time a month comes, your participants in your event may have already proactively canceled. So for her, it was, mm-hmm. how do I get ahead of this? How do I set up a new strategy? And she came away much calmer, much more focused, and ready to take action. But she was an uncertain mess at the beginning of the call.
1: And so, having a great coach in this instance, you're able to help her tease those out. And for that, you also have a great level of business expertise that that you are both an exceptional coach and incredibly business savvy, I assume. Yes, I, I
2: have 40 years of business experience as well, which certainly informs my coaching and helps me understand and be able to relate to the issues my clients are having. But they're generally figuring out the business strategies. That's not my job. But my job is to mm-hmm. them think more creatively, more proactively, more productively, evaluate different options, to compare and contrast different ideas, uh, and to really help them grow and develop themselves uh, and learn how to deal with these situations better and better. One of the things that happens across the arc of my coaching with my clients is um, a leader might come and say, I want to be able to communicate more effectively. I'm not very good at that. And what we will then do is to a series of things they need to communicate better about in each coaching session um, as a way for them to practice different situations. And we will stop every two, three, four sessions and brought back and say, now, what have you learned? How are you applying this to these other situations that came up? What are three situations where the thing that we've worked on, you applied on your own without bringing you to the coaching session? So I'm really always trying to work myself out of a job.
1: And so it sounds like you do both uh, a combination of actual teaching skills, practicing skills, and listening and inquiring.
2: I do. I would say um, teaching the skills in terms of how to learn or to communicate uh, is is definitely an aspect of it. I would say a much greater percentage is listening, reflecting, uh, questioning. and contrasting as well. But I think most coaches end up doing some amount of teaching, some amount of sharing, some amount of perspective giving as part of what they're doing. It's partly what makes coaching so productive.
1: Well, And the reason I ask is I think they're, there, especially for people looking for a coach, they're not quite sure what to expect. Or if they have a coach, how do they know they're getting... Um, the value they can from coaching, and I think even among coaches, there is some unevenness in what we consider uh, our services, because I, I come out of a, both a big consulting background, so so for me, there there is absolutely some teaching or advising that goes with coaching when I'm helping a client work through something they've never experienced before.
2: Well, I think that's essential because if there's things I know that you've never learned, you're not going to invent them on your own. Now, <laughs> yeah, I might suggest enough. you go read a book. I might suggest I might point you to an article or a website. Um, but if you have never learned, as an example, how to give effective feedback, mm-hmm. that's just something you never learned, you're not going to invent it on your own. You might think through some ways it'll work. But if there's things I can suggest that'll help you go get that going more quickly, and that's in service of you growing as a leader, for sure, I'm here with you. Here's how to go get effective feedback.
1: So, do you have other examples then of why does someone want to use a coach? But again, for any of our listeners who are thinking maybe, you know, I thought I could do this on my own, but there might be value in using a coach. I've heard practice new skills, help me think through the range of issues, raise different perspectives that I may not have considered before. What else? What's the value proposition? Um, It's
2: fascinating when you have somebody whose sole job is to have you be better. Um, Because when we're trapped in our own world, we see the world from our own perspective, we might have gotten some 360 feedback from a team of people, but we don't necessarily know what to do with it, Uh, and frequently we get that kind of feedback and we might say, well, I think that's wrong or that's just John. He always feels this way. So there's lots of times when we will shape the feedback or information coming to us to fit our own particular biases or view of the world. And if you have decided that you want to grow in your ability as a leader, and you want to be more skillful, communicate more effectively, uh, get more things done, be more efficient, uh, grow your results at a much greater rate, uh, you might not have the resources uh, that you have been taught and developed along the way to help you accomplish those. By working with a very skilled coach, They can help figure out what you need to learn and figure out where you're going to learn it so that you can Mm -hmm. actually make those things happen. And left to our own devices, we tend to focus on what we're comfortable with and what we're good at, and we tend to avoid the stuff that's hard or difficult. And a coach can help you figure Mm -hmm. out the stuff that's hard or difficult and figure out ways where you can real-time learn how to get better at those things so you can grow more rapidly.
1: So, I wonder, you're talking about how do I identify what I need to work on. Uh, do you use a lot of assessments, or do you get, uh, garner that mainly through conversation? I do that
2: primarily through conversation. Many of my clients, companies, are doing a variety of assessments, so that information is provided to me. And frequently, the executives and leaders I'm working with are coming to coaching because they want to accomplish something very specifically. So I have a new leader I'm working with who came from one tech company. He's joined another tech company. They have very, very different cultures. The leader is getting outstanding results, but he's running up against the culture. And he's starting to have issues where the culture is rejecting him, even though he's delivering phenomenal results. And if he's going to continue to succeed and thrive and be happy there, he's going to have to figure out how to adapt his style to connect with that culture while still delivering the results the organization so excited
1: about. So do you have a framework that helps him adapt to the style, or does he, um, in the process, again, of inquiry, identify the key elements and how he's mapping to them? Help me understand how that would work, and, and more importantly, help our listeners imagine how they, what they might experience.
2: Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk through the actual examples of where he's running into that culture. What are the issues that are coming up because he's not connecting with that culture appropriately? And then we're going to look and see how can you connect with this culture given your style in a way that actually helps you produce even better results, not limits your results. Um, because the approach he's got going in is, if well, I've got to adapt to this culture, I'm not going to be able to get as many results, but I guess that's what i got to do to survive. And my theory is, if you can figure out how to connect and communicate more effectively with this culture and still bring all the skill and drive you have uh, at this really important skill, you'll have a chance to deliver even better results, and he finds that kind Mm -hmm. of exciting. So what we're (laughs) going to do is we're going to work through all the different situations where that shows up. And uh, we're going to look, and then so given this situation with this particular person, how are you interacting with them? What are three other ways you could interact with them that would be more culturally appropriate and would help you get better results? And we'll go to another one. And so we'll start developing a pattern and we'll start seeing what would make it more impactful more quickly for us.
1: So in this case, very uh, from conceptually, you have a different style to very tactically and and applicably, what are the the steps I do and, and also the reframe of as you expand your style, you can also be more effective.
2: Absolutely. So I'm, I'm creating a bigger, more interesting goal. The goal of adapt to the culture uh, and perhaps not get as great a result is not going to be very inspiring for a high-performance leader. So, yeah. So my job is also, but remember, my job is to get amazing performance, just like a great coach for a great athlete does. Um, if you told LeBron James, we're going to now make the basket 10 feet further away, Um, but if you shoot from here, you now get four points, Uh, he might be annoyed they're changing the game that he's played for 30 years of his life, but he might be excited to see there's a new place he can learn and better a skill uh, in basketball. And that's really the game I'm playing is how do I grow and develop these leaders to be even more amazing so that these situations they're running into are not roadblocks, but they're almost like sand and an oyster to help make something better.
1: I love that reframe. As we go on break, I invite our listeners again to think about if you had someone like David to talk to, how might these reframes and these exercises and activities really help you move from good to great as a leader? This is Maureen and David Goldsmith. We will be right back talking about coaching and how can you increase your performance in a VUCA world.
0: The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit innovativeleadershipinstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit Innovative Leadership today.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You are listening to Innovative Leadership co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back to
1: Innovating Leadership, Co-creating Our Future. You are with David Goldsmith and Maureen Metcalf, and we're talking about the benefits of great coaching in a VUCA environment. In the last segment, we're going to talk about how you as leaders move from good to great by having a great coach. So for many people, like coaches like physicians, uh, most people haven't had that many of them. So we don't necessarily know what distinguishes a great coach from a good coach. And, and even worse, what, what does a poor coach look like? So, David help us understand what distinguishes a great coach?
2: That's a, it's a really important question, Maureen. We have a ton of good coaches in the world, and I want to be clear that when I say good coach, I not code for bad coach. We have a lot of good coaches, and they're doing really good work, and they're really productive for people. What distinguishes a great coach simply is that they get better results faster. They help you go deeper. They help you see insights you've seen before. Um, they can get started very, very quickly. Uh, when I work with somebody, I'm coaching them within two or three minutes. I don't need a lot of background. I don't need a lot of history. I don't need a lot of information. I start delivering results and insights very, very quickly, and that's just the way I roll. I think that that's a busy leader. hour to go and spend time with a coach. So you need somebody who can really move quickly, help you get where you need to get to very quickly. Um, You also a great coach is going to generate more client was unable to put the insight into action, and what we find regularly is that great coaches help these clients um, put into action these insights uh, and very, very deliberately figure out, when are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? What's going to get in the way? few minutes later, I'll ask the client, okay, so what are you going to do on Monday when you get to work? And they'll say, well, you know, I'm going to go get some coffee, then I'm going to go down the hall and check in with my team and everything else. And I'll say, well, a minute ago, you said the first thing you were going to do is send that email when you get to work on Monday. And it sounds almost pedantic and almost annoying, but oftentimes, (laughs) that little troubleshooting that is the difference between an idea and action. Because we had that conversation, it's much more likely that my client, when he gets to work on Monday, if not over the weekend, actually sends the email. Because I'll be in his head having that conversation when he picks up his coffee cup to go down the hall. He'll say, oops, got to send the email first. And oftentimes, it's troubleshooting those little steps that keep these insights from getting put into practice.
1: Yeah, Periodically, I'll ask. Uh, what, what reminder will you need so that you will take action when you said you will? And, and I'll ask them to send me a follow up. Let me know how it goes. Yeah, but, and um, that sense of accountability also yeah. seems to to be helpful. And
2: if we were dealing with a more complex situation, we might have we might spend half the coaching session actually talking about what it's going to be like to put this insight into action. How are you going to write the email? What are you going to say? Who are you going to send it to? Um, what are you going to do when you get – what kind of responses might you get? What will you do with those? What, and mm-hmm. We really game plan out all the bits and pieces that they may run into that would keep them from taking action because it's so easy to, in this a world that we have, have so many other events of the day swarm in. And today's good ideas, tomorrow's the priority. So I want to make sure that the things that my clients and I are working on get put into action and generate results. And so we have to go to that level of troubleshooting and action planning to make sure it really happens.
1: And similarly, again, it seems rudimentary, but the role playing—let's do it. Let's write out a grid. Here's here's the challenge I'm facing. Here are the, the basically the experiments I'm going to run. So this is what I propose I'm going to do. This is These are the action steps I'll take. Uh, what are the risks I'm going to face? How do I navigate those risks? And how will I know I'm, I'm complete? And walking through just that kind of simple template and wording it as experiment, I think, often helps people recognize, too, they're not going to get it right not in a VUCA environment, exactly. but they're going to get it close, right? Directionally yeah. correct is as good as it's going to get.
2: Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's phenomenal because you can at least do it with confidence because you've thought through the different ramifications, and I think you laid that chart out really beautifully. But if you've gone through that exercise with somebody, they're going to act with confidence, even if it's the wrong decision. And they will know how to pivot and respond if they have to change it. So it's a really valuable exercise. And we do a lot of rehearsal with our clients as well. You're going to go into this conversation um, to talk about uh, this performance review. What are you going to say? And I will literally uh, be the client, be the person they're doing the performance review with, and have them do it right then and there. We might do it two, three, four, five times. And let them try different approaches, let them try different tonalities, let them try shorter sentences, longer sentences, no preamble, lots of preamble, uh, until they come up with the style and the communication that feels right for them in that moment.
1: And just the practice, I I was practicing something this morning with someone, and, and through the practice, He came to a very different response, and this is what I'm expecting from my executive, but we're not using financials. Well, how can you expect that person to make the judgments you expect them to make without access to the financials? And so talking Mm -hmm. through the conversations um, opened his mind to, okay, I have to give this person more information so they can be successful.
2: Uh, It's a beautiful example. We were working with a bunch of our graduates uh, two weeks ago, and we were practicing how do you coach difficult uh, clients like narcissists. And one of the insights they came with uh, after doing this work was if they played their narcissistic client, it really gave them a great insight.
1: Um, we, uh, in my training, we've sometimes called that just the basic three two one. I take my perspective, I take the perspective of a second person, and then I step into the perspective of the person I'm trying to have the difficult interaction with. And it's amazing what I learn when I'm it, it, this is the, the adage we learned as kids, but we never learned how to do it. Put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Exactly, yep. Yeah. When I, yeah. when I truly imagine that person's life situation, not just the thing that annoyed me, but they're going to go back <laughs> to their office and struggle with this concept, they're going to have this conversation with the person who's difficult that they have to supervise. They have to go deal with a client who's irate or scared. Then, then even as a narcissist, people are usually rational given their experience that and, and constraints and, and judgment. So if that's the case and I can see the good in them, they're a lot easier to work with.
2: Uh, really well said, Maureen.
1: Thank you. So how do you help someone move from good coach to great coach? Because if I were looking for someone to advise me, and I always am, what, how would you help me get better?
2: There's three main things that we'll talk about today that would help you do that. One is I want you to be constantly learning the latest in techniques and strategies to get better results faster. There is an art and a science to this, and uh, most coach training schools don't teach this. Uh, what we mm-hmm. teach it stands on the shoulders of what coach training schools do. So that's a, a really important thing, but there is, a, there is a science and art to learning. Uh, The second one, and you know this as well, coaching is a very lonely profession. Most coaches work Mm -hmm. alone, and no one's ever seen them coach since they were trained. So coaches develop bad habits. They get sloppy. They get lazy uh, because most clients are happy enough. They're getting good results. They've got someone paying attention to them. Um, They're learning and developing. But when you start having your coaching regularly observed and watching others, you get better. When you start Mm -hmm. breaking down your coaching like an athlete does with game film, you get rapidly better. So one of the things we do with our coaches is we actually um, will have coaching sessions, and we might stop every minute or two, every question or two. We might say, why did you ask that question? What's your hypothesis? Is that getting the result you want? Um, What are you reacting to in the client? Um, Did you notice that they smiled over here? No, I didn't okay, why don't you uh, rewind and try this again? So we do this uh, stop, start, uh, readjust, and experiment a lot. And you mentioned the word experimentation uh, in terms of working with a client. And I think the third thing that we think is really essential if you want to become a great coach is you've got to be constantly experimenting and developing your own unique approach, your own mental model, your own strategy, and really – experimenting with what works. Is there a way I can get my coaching session started faster? Is there a question I can ask that gets to the heart of the matter more quickly? Do I need to get as much information up front from a client as I did when I first started coaching? Am I shying away from giving advice? What happens if I gave my client three options? Does that help them get someplace faster or slower? Um, Have I experimented with silence? How comfortable am I with interrupting? So there's a lot of experimenting you can do, and if you're rigorous about it, you can rapidly improve as well.
1: So where would I go to get this kind of training?
2: You would go to 7pathforward.com. Okay.
1: And you offer workshops, or how does that work?
2: Uh, We offer a variety of live workshops. We're currently running a a program called Foundations of Great Coaching. We're about to launch another program called uh, Journey to Mastery. Uh, And we do this in partnership with the World Business Executive Coaching Summit under our Accelerating Coach Excellence brand. And that's delivered all around the world via webinar. Um, We have people practicing uh, together around the world. Uh, And it's phenomenally successful, and the coaches in the program are loving it. Uh, They're learning a ton, and their coaching is rapidly improving.
1: And I am ready to sign up for actually one of their programs because, to your point, I believe they are the best potentially in the world in helping continually skill up people focused on leadership coaching.
2: There's no question about it, and uh, it's been really fun participating in our Facebook group with these folks and seeing the comments people are sending in. But the result and the improvement in their coaching just after one session is amazing. They're really loving the ability to learn things they didn't learn in coach training school and learning new insights, new ways, new strategies to make such a bigger difference with clients. Because at the end of the day. Both you and I, we want people to be successful. We want them to learn. We want them to get better. So we can do it faster and have them have more meaningful, productive results more quickly. That's exciting.
1: It really is, and and it's also our responsibility, right? That as a, yep. as a, hopefully I am or will be a great coach. My commitment to my clients is to give them absolutely the best of me and the best value as quickly as possible.
2: There's no question about it. And uh, I think what we've heard when we've interviewed a lot of corporate leaders, uh, particularly who are running coaching programs, inside organizations, is they need more great coaches. They have plenty of good coaches, but the complex issues their leaders are being required to deal with, they say we want more. Great coaches. We need better coaches, more skilled coaches, and so that's in part why we have built seven paths forward because we want to make sure that there is a really strong supply of great coaches because they make all the difference.
1: Thank you, David. That is a perfect way to close. So, seven paths forward to build great coaches from your coaching pool and from external if you are a coach look into Seven Paths Forward and WBEX. We are going to come to a close. Thank you for listening to Innovating Leadership. Please like us and share our information on any of the platforms that you listen to and give me feedback. I would love to hear from our listeners on LinkedIn or info at InnovateLeader.com. Thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are able to tune in again soon.